Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin and go to the message. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 19, this is uh, the verses, uh, passage of Scripture we've been on for uh, the last few weeks. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 19, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? I spent a lot of time on that. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go off on a tangent on that, but you need to know who he is. You need to know, well, he's Jesus, yeah, but who is he? Who is he to you? What has he done in your life? Can you testify of the goodness of God and what he's done in your life? He said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are God's anointed. You're the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He didn't say, you, Peter, only am I giving the keys. Again, Peter is an example of mankind. He says, all that know who I am, all who confess me as their Lord, all that put me first, to them I will give the keys of the kingdom. What are those keys? Well, that's what we've been talking about. Jesus told his disciples and us, put me first, know who I am, and if you will establish your life upon me, not only will I give you the power to prevail against hell, but I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Key number one we talked about several weeks ago is access. Access. Keys give you access. If you try to go into my house without the key, that's called trespassing and that's called breaking and entering. But if you have the key, you have access to my house. That access that we have is to the kingdom of heaven. That access that we have is access to the power of Jesus Christ here on earth and in heaven. We have access to spiritual blessings that flow from living in Christ Jesus. We're blessed to be a blessing. We have access as the subjects of the kingdom of God. You go back and you look in the Old Testament. I was just thinking about this. Uh, you think about Nehemiah. He was the king's cupbearer. The king looked at him and said, Nehemiah, why are you downcast? He said, have you heard what they've done to, to, to my home, what they've done to Jerusalem? They've torn down the wall. They've torn down the temple. And he said, it's sitting there in ruin. And he said, my heart is breaking. And King Cyrus looked at him. He says, he says I'm going to send you back, and I'm going to provide everything you need to rebuild it. And, and Nehemiah looked at him. He says, would you give me a letter? As soon as Cyrus wrote a letter and he sealed it and he gave that to Nehemiah, Nehemiah had access to all that the king had. 
Nehemiah, it, it was like, if you can imagine going over to Lowe's and just walking up and with all this lumber and all this concrete and all this mortar and all this stuff and you get to the register and then they start ringing it up and they give you this astronomical total and you say, and you show them the letter. Well, after you. Nehemiah went back and he said, I need lumber. I need bricks. I need everything. We're going to rebuild this wall. They came and they said, who do you think you are? Oh, Sorry, sir. He had access. They knew that he was part of the kingdom. And he had access to the Father. When we understand who Jesus is, when the blood of Jesus has been applied, we have access to the Father. I know I've shared this before, but if you're here new and, and, and you don't understand that, I always think about, because it's the easiest thing, I'm a visual learner, I think about when Queen uh, Esther came in and she, she told Mordecai, her uncle, she said, if I go in there and, and I'm not invited, I could die. He said, well, you got to take that chance, sister. That's the new Tim translation. He said, you got to take that chance for your people. She goes into the outer court, and she's standing in the outer court. And if you can picture the temple that God instructed Moses to build, the temple that Solomon rebuilt, there was an outer court. If you got into the inner court, the inner court was the Holy of Holies. That's where the presence of God was. That's where the, the, the tabernacle was. That's, that's where the throne of God. Not just anybody was able to go into the Holy of Holies. So Queen Esther, she goes and she just stands in the outer court. And as soon as King Xerxes saw her, he stretched his scepter. When he stretched his scepter, that was giving her permission to approach the king. Now he was just a man king. But when we're in the outer court, when the blood's been applied, we have now access. And the father looks at us and says, Brad, I see the blood is applied. Come on in. We can go into our prayer closet, wherever that may be, and we have instant access. To the Lord. Amen? The second key that we have is the key of authority. We have authority. The problem with many in the church is they don't understand their authority. I, I've been in churches. I've got friends of mine that are pastors of these churches. I love them dearly. I just laugh at them when they do this. When they walk up and somebody says, Pastor, I'm sick. Would you pray for me? He says, Lord, your will be done. I'm like, No! You've got to declare His Word. You have authority. We have authority. I can speak to demons in the authority that's been given to me and say, go, and they have to go. We can speak to sickness and say, go, and it has to go. We have authority. We have authority, church. We have authority to proclaim the Word of God. I've been preaching since... 2001, somewhere thereabouts. And I remember the first time I got up and preached the message, I looked at Pastor Myron Greer. I said, I'm getting ready to throw up, Pastor. I said, I don't know if I can do this. He said, if you ever get to the place where you don't feel that way, quit preaching. I said, why? He said, now it's all about you and it's not about him. He said, that, that sickness that you feel, he says, is a reverence for the Word of God. I promise you, every Sunday morning when I'm waiting in that hallway after those men pray for me and I get in that hallway and I'm waiting for that little jingle to finish so I can come up on the stage, I'm standing there going, let me not lose my lunch. I pray for the anointing. We have authority 
to preach the word. We have authority over devils and disease, and we have authority to bind and loose. What does that mean for us to have authority to bind and loose? Again, I can't save you, but I have authority to know if you're saved. He's given me the spirit of discernment. He's given me the opportunity to pray with you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Again, the ministry that we ran before, I would go into to, to jails. I had about a 16-county radius, and I was constantly in the jails. Just about every jail I went into, they had a little room. It was called Pastor Tim's room. I felt like it was Father Timothy's confessional or something. But they would put me in this little room in the back of the jail, and they'd bring the prisoners in right in there with me. Now, when I first started doing it back in like 2009, 2010, a lot of times they'd have a guard stand outside the door. And I'd look at the guard and I said, you don't need to stand there if you don't want to. They're like, well, what if something happens? I said, I ain't worried. And after some time, they understood. They said, you know, he may not be the biggest dude, but there weren't many that bowed up against me. There's a young man who'll be here next Sunday preaching. He bowed up against me. And in the name of Jesus, that devil got cast out of him. Now he's a preacher. All right? So, so that binding and loosening, as is, is we've seen, Sheridan and I have seen, we've, we've seen people cast, de- we've se- cast demons out of people, and we've seen them loosed. We've seen people that, that, were, that were strung out get loosed. And then we also have seen people that have rejected God, and they've been bound up, and they're still bound today because they've turned from the things of God. We have that authority to do that. And today I want to talk to you about the third key. This is not the final key. This is the last key we're going to talk about for now. We may get to some others. I could have done this for the rest of the year. If you were here last year when we did Romans, you'd know that I'm telling you the truth. Some of you thought that Romans, that book got longer as the year went on, but it didn't. But these are just really the the three major keys that, that the Lord put in my heart. The third key is the key of Privilege. Privilege. Uh, I, I meet with Pastor Les Albritton every Wednesday, and he, he and I have been talking. He says, so, so what key are you on now? What, what, what's the title? Hi, what's your scripture? And he's asking me all these questions. And when I got to the key of privilege, he just kind of looked at me and said, privilege? I said, brother, I said, you've got privilege. There's places that you can go that nobody else can go because you have privilege. He said, oh, well, that's good. That's good. He, you know, we, we have privilege as a child of the king. See, when one is born again, when one is born into the kingdom of God, as royal priests, we receive an inheritance. We receive access into the things of the kingdom. We receive authority over this fallen kingdom. And as children of the Most High King, we receive privilege. Now, some of you have heard my testimony, and I'm not going to go into a lot of this, but uh, I didn't know my real dad, and my stepdad died when I was uh, nine years old, and I got in a lot of trouble, and I was getting ready to go into juvenile hall. When I was 12 years old, I moved in with my uncle, no blood relation, but uh, he was my uncle by marriage, and I moved in with him. Today, when you hear me talk about my father, my dad, that's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jerry Wallace as my dad. Now, when I moved in with Jerry Wallace, when he became my dad, I received privilege. My dad was very 
popular in the area that I grew up in in northern Michigan. Uh, my dad built hot rods, pro streets. He painted cars. And, and if you know anything, if you've ever been up to North Detroit area, they got, I mean, they got the M59 crews, they got the Woodward crews, they got the Port Huron crews. I mean, everything's a cruise until the snow comes, and then you just quit cruising. And then you just stay in, in the house. But, but, but Dad used to paint cars. So everywhere that I went, people knew me, and, and every car that I drove, people knew that that's Jerry's car. And because of the privilege that I had, because of my dad... I would go into auto parts stores and I could walk up to the counter and they would look at me and they'd say, that's all right, we'll put it on Jerry's account. All these, all these grown men, I mean, I'm, I'm 17, 18 years old and I'd walk in and I'd buy a starter for a 66 Pontiac Tempest and there's all these older guys, 40, 50-year-old guys standing around me and they got their stuff and I'd walk up and set that starter. They're like, you're good, Tim, we'll put it on Jerry's account. And I'd grab my starter and I'd turn around and the rest of those guys are like, Who's Jerry? Can I, you know, can I get one of those accounts? I, I would go to car shows, and I'd pull up to the gate of the car show, and as soon as I'd roll up to the gate, I'd have my money out. I said, you're all right. We know you're Jerry's son. Go ahead. I had privilege because of who my dad was. I had privilege growing up. I mean, think about this. How many 15 to 17-year-olds do you know that get to drive a 1971 Corvette Stingray convertible 454? How many of you, I just started going down the list, man. I got excited when I'm doing this, so I'm sharing it with you because I'm, I'm already getting excited. Bringing back some good memories. I got to drive a 1970 Judge GTO with a 455. See, Lenny's foaming at the mouth back there. I remember, I remember being 15 years old. Dad was painting this car. I mean, it was, it was in primer, and we were sanding it, and he said, we got to pull it out to wash it. And so we're getting ready. We lift up the, car, uh, the garage door, and, and uh, he says, yeah, we've got to pull the car out to wash. I said, okay, so I'm just kind of standing back. And he says, he looked at me, and he smiled. He said, you pull it out. <laughs> me? He said, yeah, you pull it out. So I get in it, and I start that thing. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it's just, and he said, now be easy. So I just let off the brake a little bit. I mean, you didn't have to touch the gas in that thing. It just, you know shake you all the way out of that garage and as soon as I cleared the garage and I got onto the blacktop dad got this grin on his face and he stepped off to the side and he said I was like Ooh, doggy I started brake torquing that thing there was smoke and rubber going everywhere he said all right that's good I cut it down turned it off he said you have fun I said I did he said good get that rubber off my car and he turned around and walked away <laughs> but I had privilege I had privilege all kinds of different vehicles that I got to drive in all kinds of places I got to go because of who my earthly dad was. Now, I'm not trying to impress you by telling you big block sizes because all I did was drive them. I could not work on them. Uh, he tried to teach me. It was just not my gift. So I, I loved driving them, but when they broke, I went home and said, Dad, he said, I know, hot rodding again, all right? But my point is because of my relationship with my earthly dad, I received privilege. But how much more privilege do we receive from our Heavenly Father? When we know who He is, and when we are in Him, we receive privilege. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Man, you need to make that personal. That's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be re revealed in the last time. Peter, the same Peter who was asked, who do you say that I am, answered, you are the Christ. Now is writing a letter. And in this letter to the churches, Peter's telling them, you have privilege because you know who he is. You have privilege. What privilege do we have, Peter? A, we have the privilege of a new start. We have the privilege of a new start. Jesus tells us that even though we can't get a new beginning physically, we can get a new beginning spiritually. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We get a fresh start. We get to be born again. This is not something that we can do in our own efforts, but it's a privilege of making Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. says, But when the kindness and the love of God our, God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly. I love that word abundantly. I love abundantly. Through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, the problem with so many is that we hear this as something religious. We hear this as something religious. Many times we read this and it's just a, something religious, something uh, churchy. You know, I hear people out in town and, and they speak church lingo and they wonder why nobody's getting saved. Because they're, they, they're, they don't understand. They don't even understand what they're saying. They're just mouthing off something they heard the, the pastor say. You need to understand, Peter understood this from a practical stance. I mean, think about it. I, I don't know about you. I was talking to somebody this morning about this. How many of you would like a, a new beginning? Somebody came up to me and says, says, says Pastor, says, does, does your past ever trouble you? And it really doesn't. My past does not trouble me. And the reason my past doesn't trouble me is because it's under the blood. My today troubles me sometimes. I'm just being real. There's days I get up and, man, I'm happy and I'm excited. I'm, I'm shouting the victory. But then something happens. And I got to get it back under the blood again. But, but we need to understand this is not some religious thing. This is, this is reality. If you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, old things are passed away. I personally would love to go back and, re and have my record of past failures expunged. They have been. When the blood of Jesus was applied, they're forgotten as far as the east is from the west. I've told you to do this before. You can try it again later if you want to. But if you stick your hands out like this, you're never going to touch your fingers. Sin, future, forgotten. 
as far as the east is from the west. The blood of Christ removes the past sin and gives us the opportunity to move in a new direction. We are given the chance to have an intimate and deep relationship with God instead of a distant relationship. Again, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. And I got in a lot of trouble in school and made a lot of bad mistakes. And like I said, at 12 years old, I moved in with my dad. But it wasn't until I was 28 years old that I died to Christ. When I was 28 years old, I made him Lord of my life. And I can tell you at 28 years old, when I confessed him as my Lord and Savior, I received the keys to the kingdom. I received because my past was forever forgotten. I received the key of privilege in Him. In Him, I can do things that I could never do on my own. In Him, I have forgotten things of old. In Him, my mind is being renewed daily. In Him, all the promises of God. Again, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I'm a new creation. We were talking, we had some friends over for dinner the other night. Sheridan and I have been married 27 and a half years thereabouts. And she doesn't even know the old me. Now she's been around some of my sisters and some of my family. She's heard some of the stories. But, but some of that stuff's hard for her to imagine because of who I am today. When I moved in with Jerry Wallace, I got a fresh start with the school system. I got a fresh start with the legal system. I got a fresh start to live my life differently. But when I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life, I got a fresh start. Old things were gone, erased for, forever. The only way people know about it is if somebody tries to come and bring them up. But I just look at them and say, that guy's dead. He's no longer around. So regardless of what you've done in the past, when you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you receive the key of privilege and a new start. You also receive, B, the privilege of citizenship. The privilege of citizenship. Now, if you're born in the United States of America, you're born a citizen of this country. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. So if you're born in this country, you are born a citizen. If you were born in another country, and you came here and you applied for citizenship, you took a test, you made an oath, then you become a citizen. Being a citizen of the United States of America gives you some privileges that others that are not citizens do not have. Now, I don't want to open a can of worms and get into a bunch of politics and we could go down a long rabbit trail, but let me just tell you what the Constitution says. The U.S. Constitution, 14th Amendment, says this. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. That's great, Pastor Tim. What does that say? 
being a citizen of the United States is good. You get, you get, you get the assurance of, of rights of life, liberty, and property. But being born again in Jesus, look at this. This is better than the 14th Amendment. Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son and His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins. As a citizen of heaven, you have the promise of redemption, new life. You have the promise of the Father, which is a greater liberty, and you have a heavenly inheritance in the greatest land of all. If you're banking on the United States of America, don't hold your breath. I used to have people come into the dealership when I sold cars. It's been two hours driving everything on the lot. And then said, well, I, I like this one, and, and we'd get them payments on it. And they'll say, well, I'll be back. And I'm like, well, when you come back, you just ask for Blue Boy. And they look at me and go, I thought your name was Tim. I said, I know, but when you come back, I'll be the boy sitting in the corner holding my breath, and I'll be blue. <laughs> and they look at me and said, you don't think I'm coming back? I said, I doubt it. Because if you were serious, you'd be buying today. You just spent two hours of my time. If you're banking on the United States of America to get you into heaven, to bless you in every imaginable way, if you think they're going to take care of all of your needs, you better put your stock in Jesus. You better make sure that He's Lord of your life. As a child of God, I have a greater inheritance in His kingdom, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did for me. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that we may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. As a child of the Most High King, you have privilege for a fresh start. You have privilege as a citizen of heaven. And see, you have privilege of family. Family. John chapter 1, verse 12 through 13 says, But as many as has received him, to him he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, now my last name's McLaughlin. I've got a lot of uncles. Most of them have died. I've got grandparents. They've all passed away. They were McLaughlin. I'll never forget when I was in fifth, uh, kindergarten, actually, I was five years old, and I realized that everybody in my family's last name was Wallace, and my last name was McLaughlin. And my stepdad asked me then, he says, he says, if you want to change your name, we'll go and we'll change your name right now. And I looked at him and said, why would I want to do that? I just learned to spell McLaughlin. <laughs> I got an A on that assignment. I'm not changing my name now. But then when I was 12 and I moved in with Jerry, and he got legal custody of me, and we had to go into court, and they did all that, the judge asked me then, he says, now, he's getting legal rights to you. He is now your guardian. 
would you like to change your name to his name? And I said, regardless if I change my name or not, I'm his, right? She said, that's correct. I said, then I'm keeping McLaughlin. But this is the deal. As McLaughlin, I have family, 40 or 50 people that I know that are McLaughlins. But when I came, became a Wallace, man, that number went into the hundreds. Not only that, but Jerry married Leon. Her, her maiden name was Stewart. So now all the Stewarts are also part of my family. My family went from 40 or 50 people as soon as I became a child of Jerry to hundreds of people. I can go to weddings and, and family reunions and, and all kinds of good eats all over this country because I know people. Because of my, whether, whether it has anything to do with my last name or not, it's who I belong to. But do you understand this? When you belong to Christ Jesus, you get even a bigger family. After 22 years of ministry, after 12 years of ministering to people through the ministry of Adult and Teen Challenge, and over the last two years of being pastor here at Life Church, I can tell you that my heavenly family of brothers and sisters and children in faith is more numerous than one can imagine. I've got a daughter in Christ that's probably watching. Hey, Miss Rachel. She's my daughter in Christ. We text probably about every day. I've got, I've got Pastor Houston that's coming next week. He's like my son in Christ. These are people that I've led to Jesus. These are people that I've baptized in water. These, these are people that I've seen God deliver them, heal them, fill them full of the Holy Ghost. They're, they're my children in Christ. And I've got many, many hundreds of thousands of brothers and sisters in Christ. I have a family in heavenly places. It's a great cloud of witness because of who I am in Christ. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. According to Christ, or according to world data, rather, those that believe in Christ Jesus and made Him Lord of their life is 2.6 billion. I have a 2.6 billion family here on earth. That doesn't count the trillions and trillions in heaven. Jesus said when referring to the family of God in Matthew 12, uh, verse 50, says, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What does the family of Christ look like? Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29 says, There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For if you are all in Christ Jesus, and if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We have... This promise. We've been, we've been giving this privilege to have this large family, to have access to these things. This all started when Peter said in Matthew 16, 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This all takes place when you bow your head and you confess Jesus Christ and you say, I need you to come into my heart and I confess you as Lord of my life. And Jesus said, Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If you've called upon the name of Jesus Christ, and if you've asked Him to be Lord of your life, if you know who He is,
then you have the keys to the kingdom. Some of these keys, not all of these keys, are the keys of access, the keys of authority, and the keys of privilege. There are obviously, like I said, many, many more. But the reality is you need to get into your word. You need to spend time with your heavenly father. And you need to search them out yourself. Lord, what keys do you have for me? Because you may have keys that I don't have. He may give you gifts that I don't have. Thank God for the whole body of Christ. But the reality is this. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, then you don't have access to these keys. We prayed before we partook of communion. And we had one that rededicated to the Lord. But I'm going to ask you again to think about it. Am I really, truly born again? Am I really right with God? Do I understand the access, the authority, and the privilege that I have in Christ Jesus? The Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the time is fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in this gospel. It's time to repent. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Seek first the kingdom. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Life Church. If you are looking for a home church, please visit us at 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia, or check out our website at lifechurchga.com.